Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. In today's episode, which will be part of my guest interview series, I have a really, I say this every week, but really this week, such a special guest. Um, This week will be my youngest daughter, Olivia, who's 19. For those of you who are familiar with my work and who've read my books, you know that I talk about all my kids, with their permission, of course. Um, And they're happy to share and enrich other people's lives based on the experiences we've had as a family. And Olivia is 100% my gladiator child. So she is feisty and sassy and um, has a very strong counter will. She's also incredibly sensitive and musical and a deep thinker. She's phenomenal. Um, and a lot of people have asked me over the years, you know, what, you know, my gladiator kid is so difficult. They're so challenging. What's going to happen to them? What are they going to look like when they're older? And of course, every child is different and every family is different and it's very, very nuanced. Um, but in general, I have to say, you know, after 30 years of doing this work, in my experience, I find that the gladiator kids really kind of settle down and end up being very thoughtful, you know, strong, um, teenagers with, you know, a strong sense of who they are and a strong sense of morality. And, you know, and and that's not been a hundred percent true, but I vastly, the kids who were more difficult when they were younger end up being um, far less challenging than you would think they're going to be in their teenage years. So this um, episode is my conversation with Olivia about what it was like to be a gladiator kid. What was it like, you know, when she was eight, nine, 10, um, and even a younger teenager, what was going on in her head? So we get to pick her brain today and have a conversation with a grown up gladiator. So the following is my conversation with my beautiful daughter, Olivia. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Clary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week, and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'm I'm really excited. I'm excited too. And the reason I'm excited is, you know, a lot of parents that work with me have children who are you know, what I call a gladiator. That's a sassy, feisty, super smart kid who kind of has really big feelings. I personally think they're the kinds of kids that will change the world, but they're not so easy to parent. And I think they're very misunderstood. And I would say, because we've talked about this, you're kind of a grown-up gladiator. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. (laughs) Um, Yeah, definitely. I fit that category extremely well. I think you do. And I think, honestly, like you've informed my work. You've really helped me understand what it's like to love a child that has such intense feelings and such strong opinions about things. And you certainly had your moments when you were a little kid, and I certainly had mine. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that parents say a lot to me or ask me a lot about gladiator kids is, you know, what are they going to be like when they grow up? Or are they going to be absolute nightmares when they're teenagers? And so I thought I'd use this episode to kind of pick your brain a little bit and help parents understand what is going on in the brain of a gladiator, especially when they're younger, because 
it looks for all the world like a gladiator doesn't care, but they almost care too much. So do you, okay, when you look back on yourself when you're little, can you remember like being that feisty and intense? I definitely remember some version of that, but the way I experienced it was that I was right and everyone else's emotions were not. <laughs> um, okay. And like everything I did made sense because I'm a genius and I'm brilliant <laughs> and nobody else could tell me anything. Um, and so when you tried to tell me like, you can't have ice cream for breakfast, I was like, why? Yes, I can. I just go to the freezer and eat sense. the ice cream. I don't understand. And when someone said, no, you can't, what would happen to you? Like, what would happen to your sense of self? It made me really mad. Um, I don't remember why. I think maybe because it made me feel embarrassed. I don't know. I didn't like to be parented. Mm -hmm. A lot of gladiators don't. Yeah. And then what's hard is as smart and intelligent, and you were, you're a smart person, you were a very smart kid, um, but you didn't have a fully formed frontal lobe yet, right? So part of what parents have to do is tell their gladiator to go to bed and tell them to, that they can't have that, it belongs to somebody else, or no, you've already had one of those, I can't buy you another one. And then each and every time you would have that intense feeling, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it's interesting because as a teenager, I mean, other than just being kind of teenager-y, you know, people would say to me when you were little, oh, watch out when she's a teenager, she's going to be, you know, give you a real ride. And, and honestly, you were so good. I mean, you had a very strong moral sense and you followed all curfews and you kind of did that very much on your own. You were a pretty easy teenager in many ways. So I want to understand, I want to help parents understand what goes on for you as a gladiator were you aware as a young child that you were different like what do you remember how did how did you feel um yeah and it was actually really really difficult um because I knew I used to ask you all the time why am I so different from the mm -hmm. other kids why is it so much harder for me yeah yeah you used to say to me I'm not you actually used to say to me, I remember you being about eight, and you said, just throw me in the garbage. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my brain. I'm not like my sister and brother. And do you remember that conversation? Um, I do. Well, and I remember saying to you, I really think you're, not that your siblings weren't or aren't, but I felt, and I still feel this about gladiators, and I certainly felt it about you, that you're here to do something pretty amazing, that you're a pretty amazing human being. And I remember saying to you, I think you're here to do something pretty incredible. And your feelings in your body are just too big. Like you're yeah. just, your feelings are too big for your little body. Right. Yeah. I was, it was definitely really hard because it sort of felt like there were two sides of me mm -hmm. fighting. Mm -hmm. Like there's the angry, headstrong, bossy, needs everything to go her wayside. And then there's the very empathetic, um, kind side the one that wanted to fit in the one that wanted friends mm -hmm. and the one that was like well well if they don't want to be part of me then that's their loss right right the defensive part and so it was really hard because it felt impossible to sort of ever become normal ever become to find, someone yeah. who people would 
tolerate. So finding that integration, that balance point mm -hmm. was really hard. Do you remember, cause you figured it out. You're 19 now. Like, do you remember a point where you started to uh, integrate that? Yeah, I think probably around eighth grade. Mm -hmm. I was finally old enough to kind of be like, oh, everything my mom said was like kind of true. <laughs> but obviously I'd never admit that to you. <laughs> only, to, only to other people. No, only to myself. <laughs> <laughs> no one else is ever allowed to know. But I so what you're saying is like some of the stuff you would have been told by me or your dad or your siblings or teachers finally got integrated like you could finally put it together reluctantly <laughs> yes <laughs> I didn't like it yeah but I could see that it was true interesting and so if you okay here's an interesting question for you I guess the, the logical question is how did you do it was it just was it just an awareness did was it I mean I suspect that in eighth grade and ninth grade is when your frontal lobe starts kicking on significantly mm -hmm. for the first time, where you can actually take perspective and integrate things that you've been told. Um, so do, do you remember doing anything differently at that point, making different choices? Um, I think I started to learn that I'm still going to get angry at things. Mm -hmm. But I have the power to not um, act on it. To not bring it out into the world. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when it sort of started clicking and I just got better and better at it from there. Because at the beginning, I knew I could do it, but it doesn't make it easy. That's true. It's hard. When you want to feel something and you want other people to know that you feel that thing, it's really really difficult to um not right show them how you're feeling well I think what's so interesting and why we, you and I talked about doing this podcast is to try and help parents understand what their younger gladiator is actually going through so if you because you're 19 now <laughs> and I I'm so excited because I got to I got to have you for an extra year she took a gap year and you're going off to college in the fall, which I'm trying not to think about too much or I'll cry. Um, and you're going to, and right now you're working with kids and doing a spectacular job as a kids club counselor uh, at the children's school in La Jolla. Um, and I'm really proud of you and you're excelling there. You're doing so well. So let me ask you this. If you could go back and say something like your your 19 year old self could go back to your eight-year-old self what would you want her to know well I would want her to know a lot of things but I know her so I couldn't tell her anything even as your 19 year old self she wouldn't listen no <laughs> absolutely not um I would want to tell her so many things but that's the thing is they have to learn on their own. Mm. And so instead of telling her something, sorry. That's okay. Um, I would just give her a hug because it's really hard to know that you're different and feel like you can't do anything about it. Mm. And as a gladiator child, it's it's like, you know that 
you're harder than your siblings or you know that you put so much extra work on your parents and it's difficult. And so you just want someone to hug you and tell you that it's going to be okay. Even though I might not believe me as an, as an eight-year-old, I would, that's what I would do. I think that's huge. And I think that's, it's so from the parents' perspective, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, but also like from a parent's perspective, you forget that inside that little fireball of a person is someone who's in pain, someone who's afraid, someone who's feeling unlovable. I don't, I, I don't want to speak for you. I don't think you ever felt unloved, but I know you felt unlovable sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And so for a parent to know that that's what's going on inside, in spite of what that child is presenting you with. I mean, it's really the whole point of connected parenting. Right? Yeah. Um, I think no matter what emotion gladiator children are portraying to you, it is, it always comes from a place of feeling vulnerable. Always. Yeah, of fear. Whether it's angry, sadness, sass, yeah. humor, it's always from fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And gladiator kids, I talk about this all the time, that the feelings are so intense for them. Like I remember when you were little, even making a choice or a decision about buying this or buying that or what you were going to wear in the morning mm-hmm. used to cause you so much stress. I don't even like to think about it now. It still causes me stress. <laughs> it still causes you stress. So can you describe for the parents listening? Because I'm sure they're going through this with their current gladiators. What happened in your body when we'll do two scenarios? One is when I when I would say no, you can't have something. Like we're out and I already bought you something and you can't have something else. And then also like choices. Let's start with choices because I know choices used to just get you into a ball of angst. They still do. It was whether I was deciding what top I wanted at some store that I really liked when I was little, or even now with deciding what college I want to go to um I think it all stems from a problem with object permanence I don't like making decisions when I know the decision is going to be final Mm -hmm. and permanent um so if you ask me if I wanted this chocolate bar that we had at home or these chips that I had at home I know I could say I have a chocolate bar because I can have the chips tomorrow Mm -hmm. but I can't do that with a shirt at a store right and I can't do that with the college I'm going to. Right, right. So it's really frustrating. And I, I don't really know how to explain it, but it does get easier. I can decide what shirt I want at the store now without crumbling into bits. <laughs> well, and I think what's important because it can, it can come off as bratty or rude. And I think what's so important for parents to hear is that it was a state of angst. I had to clear my throat, sorry. <laughs> It was a state of angst for you. Like it caused you distress. And the worst thing, and I made this mistake a couple of times, you'd make up your mind about something. And I don't know what possessed me to do this. I would say, are you sure? It's awful. It's actually the worst, (laughs) the worst thing you can say. The worst. Never say that. 
if you take one thing from this podcast, please let it be to not ask your kid, are they sure <laughs> after any decision ever? Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Well, I think it's such a good example because I think everyone feels that way about making a choice. Mm. All kids feel that way about making a choice. It's just everything is bigger, yeah. deeper, more intense for a child that is a gladiator, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. So the other scenario is like the, the, hearing the word no. Like still not your favorite word. No, I don't like um, that much. But it really caused you a lot of stress when you were a little kid. Like just if, if we had to say no, let, let's say we were, I don't know, out and, and you, we bought you something already and you wanted something else, you would get very stuck. And that's a very strong feature of gladiator kids. They just kind of get really stuck and badger and please, please, I want it. And it becomes this kind of takeover. Can you remember that when you were a kid? Yeah, it's similar to like when your parent tells you to not jump off that thing that you think would be really cool if you jumped off it. Uh-huh. Just you just want to do it so much more. So when you tell me that I can't have that shirt, oh, that shirt is so great. I want it so so bad. And so I think it stems again from like the bigger feelings yeah and so saying no amplifies those feelings that are already amplified because of being a gladiator well and I know too and I in some ways I wish I could go back in time with you a little bit because what I what I know now and what I help parents with now is there's going to be a protest Mm -hmm. like there just is and you gotta you can't try to snuff the process while they're while you're trying to like get used to the idea that it's a no and part of how gladiators get used to it is they protest not fair please it's not your me and eventually I got to the point where I would always mirror first mm-hmm. no it's amazing look at that shirt it's so hard to decide like we I would do all that yeah um and that might help a little bit but you still got stuck mm-hmm. and then I would just wait it out like sit with it like feel what you're feeling and then just sit with it mm-hmm. um and I think that's really all you can do yeah I feel like that circumstance might be the only one where mirroring might not work. Yeah, that might send you because into Because right. I want the shirt so bad already. So if you go, oh, that shirt's so great. You want it so bad. I'm gonna be like, well, why can't you just buy it exactly. for me then? Exactly. If you think it's so great too, because right. clearly it's a really great shirt thing because right. you think so too. For sure. So I want it. Well, and that's a really important point because sometimes in that moment that can amplify, I call that glare, mm-hmm. right? So if, if the parent focuses on the shirt, Mm-hmm. You're going to have you, the child going to be more upset. Mm-hmm. It, and even if I were to focus on, you know what, it's the decision, like you want both of them. Mm-hmm. That's what's so hard. That might work a little better, but I still it's feel still like in that sense. Like, yeah, sorry, yeah. I both. I think it sends, in those moments, it can, sometimes it can work beautifully with gladiators, not so much. Mm. Um, and in those moments, you've done it because I think you still have to do it. You still have to empathize. Oh, definitely. Right? And it's a really awful way to feel. And you, you know, you, there's no good solution in that moment. Mm-hmm. But then you gotta just let the child have the protest, yeah. which is embarrassing sometimes when they're humping around yeah. in the store or getting mad. But that protest doesn't usually last that long. And you would recover fairly quickly. Where where I think parents get stuck and where I probably got stuck too when you were little is I get into the protest with you. Stop mm-hmm. behaving like that. We're at the mall. You the other, blah, blah, blah. Right. And that just made it so much worse. So sometimes just letting it go mm-hmm. and you'd kind of hump around for a little bit. And if I didn't react to that, 
usually you just come around and either forget about it or get over it or the next time we went to the mall you would get it and I feel like so many parents talk about oh it's embarrassing when their kid has a tantrum in public but Mm -hmm. kids are gonna be kids everyone who's ever seen a kid ever is not thinking oh my god that parent how is she letting her kid behave like that they're all thinking oh that poor parent (laughs) (laughs) like they are they're thinking that that kid is being a kid every kid has had a tantrum in public at one point or is going to well and this is how layered it is because as a parent we have really big feelings about our kids messing up right because it feels embarrassing or it feels like parents are going to judge us or Mm -hmm. people are going to think we you know we've spoiled our kid or whatever and it just shows you how layered everything is but you're Mm -hmm. so right like most of the time parents are going oh been there good luck Mm -hmm. right and working at a school especially kids have a really hard time when parents pick them up from kids club um kids club is like an after school program so we mostly just do fun activities they don't ever they're they're done school by them so yeah they have they're in a state of joy they they have these big tantrums when mom or dad comes to pick them up or whoever comes to pick them up um and like I've heard so many parents be like you're embarrassing yourself or you're embarrassing me and I'm like, not a single person there thinks <laughs> that it's your fault at all. Oh, that's such an important message for yeah. the parents listening. That's really huge. Um, it touched on another issue that comes up a lot with, with gladiator kids, which is transitions. Changing from you know one activity to the next. So as you're seeing, those kids are in a state of joy. They're just playing. They're in the now. Kids live in the moment. And anytime you're pulled out of a situation, it's really hard for gladiator kids to transition and to shift. Do you remember having difficulty like that when you were little? Yeah, I really, really didn't like change. No. No, it was... It's a big feeling. Big, big, big feeling. Yeah. Possibly the biggest one was my protest to change. I did not like it at all. Yep. Um, You would have trouble going somewhere even when it was something you wanted to do. Yeah. I don't know what that is. (laughs) So here's what I think it is. And you'll tell me if you think this makes sense mm-hmm. because, because it's natural for everyone to not want a state change. It's just normal, right? In the brain, anytime mm-hmm. you're changing from one state to another, there's potential danger, right? Yeah. It's right? vulnerable. Yeah. And if you're safe and you're happy, even if it's, even if you're not that happy, if it's familiar, changing feels like a pretty big thing in the brain. And so like everything for a gladiator child, that feeling is far more intense right? So it can just, did it feel like anxiety or just felt like, like a strong opposition? Strong opposition. I don't think it felt like anxiety, even though it probably was. It was for sure. Um, I think it also comes from a place of like, I just, I like where I am. Yeah. Even if I'm going to also like where I'm going. Right. I currently like where I am. It's so much easier to stay where I am. It's a big feeling too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's the more we, I mean, you and I've had conversations about this a a fair bit, but for parents listening, it just, it really helps you figure out how intense all the feelings that your gladiator child has, right? Like everything is big. Yeah. (laughs) Everything. Just picture like, yeah, if every emotion you had was just a million times bigger. Yeah. And everything you felt emotionally, you also felt physically because they're so big. Yeah. So like when I was angry, 
I felt it in my body. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just like a feeling, like physically. Yeah. I felt those feelings. Yeah. It's exhausting for both body or child and the parent, yeah, I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. So now it's interesting because you're you're 19 mm-hmm. and you're working with kids. Mm-hmm. Do you have any gladiator kids that you're working with? <laughs> I do. You do. And mirroring is so helpful. I've avoided so many tantrums so many with meltdowns. mirroring, so many meltdowns it's with mirroring. Power. It is. It really is. Oh, it's so helpful. And I think it also helps the kids feel more connected to me because they then know that I understand how they're feeling, which makes them more connected to me. Absolutely. Well, and anytime I, I haven't come on the campus very often, but every time I do, we were at the arts night a while ago, like the kids are, oh my God, like they love you. Mm -hmm. And then all the feedback was so amazing from the other staff. So how would you describe the impact that it's had on you? I think that it's really made us closer. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Me too. <laughs> but um, yeah, because not only does mirroring fix it in the moment and help the parent not have to deal with an entire meltdown, um, it also just makes the child, like I, I have to say it again, like then we know that you understand. And that's all kids ever want because we're young and it's hard to communicate how you're feeling when you don't know that many words. It's true. It's really difficult. And I think that's what gladiator kids struggle with is that like normal kids, it's hard to articulate how you're feeling when you don't know how to do it and it's even harder when those feelings are 10 times bigger because you have to articulate it well, 10 times want, more a few words that can actually capture yeah the feeling itself yeah right? that's why like you will a parent if you're listening you've probably heard i hate you especially with your younger gladiator more mm-hmm. times than you've heard i love you yeah um and that doesn't mean you're not Mm-mm. loved it's, it's just captures the feeling right yeah it's just the biggest word I can use in that time right to explain that I'm feeling because I dislike something like if I dislike something it feels like hate would to a child who's not a gladiator child so interesting so there's not words big enough yeah there's not words big enough to explain yeah how mad I am yeah other than things like hate yeah and the tools available, because what parents are often saying is stop it, cut it out, mm-hmm. stop it, or you're going to lose this. You don't have access to any tools in that moment, which yeah. makes it all so much I don't have any leverage. Yeah, it's really difficult. It really is. So I think that's such an important and thing for parents to hear is what is actually going on in a gladiator's head. Mm-hmm. And all gladiator child children want is to be talked to occasionally and treated like an adult I don't know why we want this but we do yeah I just want for five seconds to be treated like an adult even though I'm eight (laughs) well and that's where the calm technique can come in because you can that's where you would do that with your gladiator child 
right? So mm-hmm. you, that's the moment where you'd say, okay, so you're really struggling because you want this shirt and you want this shirt and they're both important. Mm-hmm. And it's like driving you crazy because you can't have both. And here I am telling you, you can only have one. Like that actually can help sometimes. Um, I think that's really important because they just want respect, I think in a lot of ways, although they're not the greatest that giving their parents respect, Mm-mm. which is what parents expect. And that's, but you I know, think that also, again, comes from the place of they want to be treated like an adult. So they think if they don't act as much like a kid, they'll be treated like an adult, but then they just act like a bad kid because they're still eight. So when eight-year-olds act like adults, it's just extra frustrating for the parents. It is a conundrum. It is really hard. So before we wrap up, and I really do, I I love you and I really do appreciate that you came on the show. I think that's very sweet of you to do that. Thank you. And I just think it's so helpful for parents to hear like, okay, this is what's going on and this is where you can get to. Um, the one thing I wanted to just end on, like, I know that I made sure, because even though like we had all this tension going on, I feel like we were all, I feel like I, we were really close. Yeah. And where I feel like it's an important message for parents is gladiator kids don't always, they know they're loved, but they don't always feel lovable. Yeah, definitely. So baby play. And when we had that ridiculous thing we would do where I would turn into Gramitha that little character who didn't know <laughs> anything who loved that. Love that a lot and we would talk about your day through Gramitha but mm-hmm. sort of disguised right or we did the I don't remember the name of the little stuffed animals anymore but we oh it was Jim and Evelyn oh the little ladybugs right yeah we kind of talk about and and bring stuff sort of so bypassed your critical mind mm-hmm. um we talk about things that were going on for you and we work stuff out there but lots of cuddling and Playing and it, it's hard for parents listening. Um, it's so hard to want to do that when your gladiators really giving you a run that day and you are just spent and exhausted and tired and angry. But you know, as you're saying, Olivia, it it really is the medicine. Yeah, right? and you felt those things really big too, right? Yeah, you did. I did absolutely. Well, listen, I want to. Thank you very much for coming on and giving us a peek inside a, the gladiator mind of a younger child. Yeah. I'm, I'm so proud of, I mean, you really did an incredible job. I mean, you still do. I, I We were joking as we were kind of discussing what we we're going to talk about. I think you regulate better now than the average person. Actually. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was n- yeah. not without a lot of hard work and insight on your part I think that's why I regulate now better than the average person is because I know the consequences so well mm. of not and not like consequences coming from a parent like natural consequences yeah like you kids not wanting to play with yeah, you yeah or... I know that so so well mm-hmm. more than um a child who's not a gladiator child would yeah so I think that's why I I've had to learn faster and I've had to learn quicker and that's the same word. I've had to learn faster and I've had to learn better and more experientially. That's what it is. You had to learn on your own. Like eventually the messages kind of clicked in, but you had to learn a lot of it the hard way. And that's really true for a lot of gladiator kids, right? Mm -hmm. They they can't learn from you telling them they have to figure it out. No, don't. And try to tell them anything I mean do because you're gonna you have to it's hard yeah it's it's hard not to want to be like you don't do that please <laughs> stop yeah it's hard and you just have to love them like crazy through it mm-hmm. which is 
which is the medicine. Yeah. And I think the best example for like, you can't tell them anything is you used to tell me all the time, be sad, not mad. Mm, yes. I remember. Um, and I didn't forever for as long as you were telling me that I didn't do it until one day I was like, Hey, you know, if I just cry, like it just goes so much better. Yeah. Like if I am just sad instead well, of mad in a manipulative way. No, 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 no. Because no. that's the feeling underneath yeah. the mat. Right? Yeah. If you just expose the feeling and also like someone says something mean to you, if you act sad about it, they're going to be way more likely to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what you want. It's yeah. not everyone wants when they're yeah. upset about something. Well, There's an apology. Exactly. And being vulnerable is not easy for anyone, but it's especially not easy for a gladiator. So. Mm-hmm. so don't give up parents you might have to say that a bunch of times but eventually gladiators will kind of pull it together and and I don't know if I've ever told you this Olivia but when I talk about gladiator kids like I truly believe they're here to save us all who else is going to be able to bust down paradigms and challenge authority and look at things in a different way like you need a personality like that to actually make change in the world it's just not always easy Mm-hmm. to raise a gladiator child although having said that and this is i'm not just saying this because you're sitting here but you also are and were hysterically funny right <laughs> so, like so much fun when you were in a good space so much fun mm-hmm. so caring with your grandparents especially your grandma mm-hmm. my mom who had alzheimer's mm-hmm. you know beautiful with animals you know you would want to save everything um there's such a beauty in that spirit and so there's a huge responsibility on the parents part to help that child figure out how they can be that paradigm shifter but not feel alienated by people so people will still listen and I think that's the challenge with the gladiator child so thank you my sweet thank you for sharing this with everybody I really appreciate it and you're definitely very vulnerable on this call which I very much appreciate so Good luck to all the gladiator parents out there with just as a quick wrap up. Is there anything specific you would love the parents to know about their child? Yeah. Um, just love them and make sure they know that you love them. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining today. I really appreciate you showing up and listening to my podcasts every week. Um, Our numbers are growing. I love that you're out there. Thank you. And if you have questions and ideas for future podcasts, please let me know. I love to hear from from all of my listeners. So thank you. Um, And as a reminder, you can go to connectedparenting.com. I have all kinds of services for everyone. We've got, you know, from my books to the two podcasts that I do. We've got our online courses, some that are just independent, self-driven, on-demand, um, others where I interact with everyone uh, in, in monthly coaching calls. We've got our village, which is a fabulous way to meet other parents, practice the connected parenting techniques, get support and guidance from connected parenting therapists and practitioners. And we have a whole team of therapists if you're interested in working with someone one-on-one. So we have a number of services available for you to help you on your parenting journey. And I will see you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.